The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. I want to start this morning by asking two questions to kind of identify where we are, kind of where our mindsets are this morning, and then also how we react to certain situations. Um, along the way, I, almost, I may almost give you some bad advice this morning. Um, you always look for good advice, but I'm going to give you some bad advice this morning. Uh, change it up a little bit. You know, it gets a little boring just getting good advice all the time. So let's give some bad advice this morning. Um, but most of all, let's just have a little bit of fun. First big question I want to ask, um, and I don't want you to overthink this at all, um, but with a show of hands, yes, I'm asking you to participate, and some of you are going, really? Like, I just like sitting here. Um, with a show of hands, how many of you do not identify yourselves as leaders? Do not identify yourselves as leaders. Many of us don't identify ourselves. Now we're getting a few honest people like, well, let me think about that. You don't identify ourselves as leaders. When I talk about leadership and I talk about discussing leadership, leadership simply means this, influence. Leadership equals influence. It's that simple. And so thinking about that this morning, some of you who maybe raised your hand are maybe starting to rethink this a little bit. Because the thing is, all of us have influence. All of us do. All of us are leaders. When I engage people in leadership talks, sometimes I'll ask them, do you, do you picture yourself as a leader? And Many times I'll get, I'll get a no. Sometimes we get a yes. And, but when I get the no, I always ask them, do you ever just turn around and see if there's anyone following you? You know, as a parent, I have two little ones that are following me all the time. Um, me and my wife have been painting and stripping wallpaper all weekend, so if I'm a little tired, I apologize. But I had two kids last night that wanted to paint, and they wanted me to show them how to paint. And Really, I was just trying to just have some me time with a roller. Um, but it was, a t it was a teaching moment, and they wanted to know, how, to, how do you do this? How do you do that? I always have someone following me. If you're a parent, you're a leader because you have influence. Um, do you ever have anyone ask you advice? You ever ask, you know, what, what do you think I need to do about this? Or in just conversation. What, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts about this? That is influence. All of us have influence. All of us are leaders. We're all leaders. We've all been given influence. So how, my question is, how are you doing with that? If we're all leaders on the same playing field this morning, then I think we first need to identify how we're leading ourselves first, and then how are we leading others. First, leading ourselves. Um, when I talk about leading ourselves a lot of times with people, I first talk about goals. Do you have goals in life? Do you have goals for your future? Do you know where you want to be 10 years from now? Some of you are just thinking about this for the first time this morning. What are your goals for life? What's your daily routine look like? What does your education look like? People are like, I graduated a long time ago. What are you talking about some education? You know... I heard a great quote one time from a, a speaker named Jim Rohn. He said this, formal education will get you a job, but self-education will make you rich. Now, I'm not just talking about money this morning. I'm talking about a rich life. 
educating yourself continuously, learning something new every day. I was listening to John Maxwell the other day, and he said he went to his uh, 50th graduation party. And he said, um, as I was standing there, looking at everyone around me, the people that were still left here on earth, I thought, man, there's a lot of old people in here. (laughs) He said, but I did not consider myself old. But I was yet the same age as everyone in here in the room. He said, because what I saw was people that had stopped learning, had stopped growing, had stopped looking forward to life every day. He said, I don't want to grow old. He said, I don't ever want to grow old. He said, but these people had stopped growing. He said, and it, it, it broke his heart. Second big question today. How many of you believe, and I want you to be honest this morning, how many of you believe that if you had just a little more, just a little more money today, then you would be a little happier and feel a little more relief in life? Yeah? Yeah? If I started handing out $1,000 at the door, everybody would go, it's a good day. I love this church. This is awesome. If we all had just a little bit more money, it would leave a little stress. Some of you are thinking like, man, if I had a thousand bucks right now, we could go do this or we could pay this off. You know, I want to open up the Bible this morning and we'll look at 1 Timothy 6. I want to read you a passage here in 6 through 8. It says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these, we will be content. How many of you ate this week? I ate this morning. Um, Can't be up here on an empty stomach. How many of you got clothing? I hope all of you have clothing this morning. Um, If not, we will stop you at the door. Um, (laughs) So if we have our basic necessities based off of this scripture, then we should be content, right? But how many times do we find ourselves not content? Why is that? I believe it's because of this. Because we buy into the lie that if we only had a little more, then we would be happy. If I just had a little more money, if I just had a a few more things, if I just had a little nicer car, if I just had a little bigger house. You know, the Gallup poll um, did did a poll here recently that they were studying people and asking them the question, at what point would you feel happy or content or that you've made just enough money or that you feel rich in life. And it was very interesting. So the people that made around 30,000 or less per year, or right around the 30,000 mark, felt that if they could make $75,000 a year, then they would be content. They would be happy. Now the interesting fact was that when they interviewed people that made around $50,000 a year, they felt that if they could just make $100,000 a year that they would be content and they would be happy. And then they did another group that's, that made around $100,000 per year, 
And they all stated that if we could just make around $200,000 per year, then we would have enough and we would be happy. Do you see a trend here? All my mathematicians have already done the math and they go, it's just doubling every time. You're exactly right. So if we could just double, we would be happy, right? Just more, 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 more. So how much do we need to be happy or satisfied is the question. The general answer is just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. Luke 12 and 16 through 21. This is Jesus talking. He says this. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for year, laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. We're going to stop right there. So he had had a plentiful year, had all these crops. He had bought two new Ferraris and a Lamborghini and a Porsche and thought, my garage is not big enough. I need a bigger garage. And he thought, you know what? Now we're good. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to look at everything that I've obtained. And I'm going to relax and say, it's well with my soul. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will, be, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, it's not about what we can harbor up for ourselves. You know, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's about how can I make an impact, an eternal impact while here on earth? How can I make more in order to give away more? How can I live a life of generosity and an open hand with no matter where I'm at? No matter what scale I'm on. I'm not driven by personal need or personal want. I'm driven by how can I stretch my impact in the world? How can I stretch my giving? How can I impact people's lives? So when is enough? You know, you, you guys who've had kids, you, when you start thinking about having kids, I remember this when me and my wife started thinking about having kids. I was like, there's no way we can afford to have kids. Like, you're in college, I'm working, we're, you know, just now kind of getting our feet under us. No way we can have kids. And then a kid comes, and you go, we're still paying the bills. How is this happening? You know, once we get out of these diapers, though, man, can they poop through some stuff. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> you go to the store, and you buy diapers, and you go, this is just going to be filled with crap in a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest this morning, okay? But then, you know, you move out of diapers, and, and you're like, yes. And you thought, you know what, we'll, we'll just throw another one in the mix. You know what? We, we love keeping pampers happy, okay, and, and, and lacing their pocketbooks. So we're going to keep buying pampers. And you keep adding to, adding to, and... And then you, you, you get them all out of diapers, 
and he'd do like me and my wife, we decided to start over. <laughs> but then you get them, they get them in, you get them in sports, they're in all the activities, you're traveling everywhere, and you're going, you know, we just make it through this season. And then they start driving, you're like, you want me to provide you transportation? What? And some gas money? What? You're like, man, if I could just get them out of the house. <laughs> and then they leave. <laughs> All the food, too? Yeah. Yeah, let's not even get on the food. You get a teenage son. I rem I, man, I remember back me and my brother growing up, and I feel sorry for my mom. I actually apologized to my mom a while back. I said, I'm sorry. I don't know how you fed us. You know, this, we were just, we'd come in and just, you know, teenage boys. Um, but the thing is, you, you get them out of the house, and then they bring more the next time they come around. Or you have, like, the boomerang kid. You send them off to college, you know, and they just, and they're back in your house. You don't know why. They just keep popping back. You send them out, and they come right back to you. Some of you are the boomerang kid. I'm sorry. <laughs> but... <laughs> Let me, let me switch gears a little bit this morning. Let, let me ask you, let me tell you this. If life is going great for you, if you wake up and you feel like, you know, I've got plenty. Um, you know, my life is in surplus. Um, I feel overwhelming joy when I wake up in the mornings. If you think, God, wow, how awesome are you? Your heart is full. Then I want to give you some bad advice this morning on how to very quickly become dissatisfied and live a life of offense. So this is going to be the bad advice section, okay? This is the fun section, so you're going to have to kind of go with me here. Number one, bad advice is focus on being ungrateful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. What terrible, this is terrible advice. Mine was better. We should focus on being ungrateful. You know, you should do the opposite of this statement. I mean, why rejoice always and pray without ceasing? Um, resent God's goodness in others' life and ignore your own life. That is a way to focus on being ungrateful. Number two, this is bad advice, remember. Compare what you have to people who have more. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Um, let me ask, let me tell you something. If you want to live a life, uh, you know, full of ungratefulness and you want to compare to others, just binge watch HGTV for a while. You may love your house before, but you binge watch some HGTV all day and you hate your house by the end of the day. My wife is like, I got so many things pinned right now on Pinterest for you to do. I, don't you love this? I saw it on HGTV the other day. We could do this. I mean, actually, you could do this. I see it. You make it type thing. Um, she walks in and says, yes, it looks great. Or no, we need to re you need to redo that. Um, Binge watch some HGTV. Some of you are there were laughing in here. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you husbands, 
You're like, amen, underneath your breath. <clears throat> um, don't say it too loud. <laughs> Number three, pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Um, this is great bad advice. Uh, Luke 12 and 15. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions. Just do what I said. Don't listen to, don't listen to Jesus here. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Bad advice. Number four, this is the last one. Develop an attitude of entitlement. You know, I deserve it. I deserve this. Here's what I want you to do when you leave today. I want you to leave today. I want you to go outside, get in your car. And I want you to drive to the place that you live. And I want you to push a button that opens a door. Drive your car into its house. Your car's house. Um, gripe about how your car gets bad gas mileage. And is not as nice as those heated leather seat ones. Walk into your closet. Oh, I'm sorry. Walk into your climate-controlled environment. Walk into your closet and touch all your clothes and passionately say, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> you guys are laughing because either you've done it <laughs> or you're married to someone who's done it. <clears throat> I'm not going to say what happens in my house. Um, it's totally me. Do that again and again every single day, and you will build an attitude of entitlement. I guarantee it. Now, have you would say this was, these four were really bad advice? I mean, really bad advice, and a little hard to listen to. It was a little hard to say, actually, without cracking up. Um, yet many of us, if we are honest, this is the norm of our life. We live a very reacted li reactive lifestyle. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I need more. It's all about me, my wants, my desires. We want more for us. We want to get better for our sake. You know, Dave Ramsey asked this question. He says, if I were to look at your bank statements, what would they tell me you value most? What would your bank statements say you value Mine would say I really like food um, because me and my wife had a very honest discovery of our bank statements here a few months ago, and we were like, we really like food. We really need to do some adjusting here. Um, and it was ugly. It was ugly to look at. You know, some of us may have gotten hit in the eyes with just that statement alone. Your actions are a reaction to what you believe Many of us, many of us don't live a proactive lifestyle. We live a very reactive lifestyle. Have you ever thought about the environment that you're in each day and how it plays a role in the life you live? The environment, I'm not talking about just your how, I'm talking about the people you're around. The conversations that you have, the things that you watch, your environment. 
What is it that you're putting in? Because it makes a very, very compelling reaction. I want to show you a clip this morning from a, a Christian speaker, author, and scientist, Joseph Greeny. Uh, him and his team put together this study of a few kids, but I, I, I feel that it's very telling um, and very eye-opening for us today. So if we could play that clip this morning. I want to take you so, to some laboratory experiments so that we can develop a model, a way of thinking about influence. So at our labs, uh, a couple of years back, we brought a whole bunch of munchkins together, a bunch of kids, uh, sixth and seventh graders. We wanted them to be old enough to understand money and be motivated to some degree by it. So we brought a, a number of children into the lab, and we gave them an opportunity to earn $40 by completing four simple tasks, $10 each, over a period of 10 minutes. So easy money, simple tasks, brief amount of time. And we hoped that they would save their money to go do something useful with it later. In order to help them save their money, we asked them to anchor their commitments to some goal. So listen in as they describe what they want to do with their money. Well, I was wanting to get a video game, maybe a new pair of shoes. College money. Wait till Christmas comes, and then buy my sister a really cute outfit. <laughs> So they got a goal, right? They've all got something to anchor their, uh, their, their intentions. Now the question is, how did they do? Now remember, four easy tasks, 10 minutes, $40. The only temptation we offered them was the opportunity to buy things at what we called our change anything store. So we set up a little table and we had goods priced at five to 10 times what these kids knew you would pay in the store. So not a temptation at all. You'll see, for example, a candy bar available for $10, right? Or a tiny little hard candy for $2. So all these kids knew this was not a particularly good deal. How did they do in dealing with that modest temptation? Let's have a look. Bummer. Well, let's look at the statistics. Out of a potential $40 in savings, the average person took home $13. Now, not a good outcome. We, we were absolutely blown away. They, they spent like crazy. In fact, some of the kids went into debt <laughs> in a 10-minute period of time. Now, you and I can sympathize. So the question becomes, why? Why? Now, here's the problem. You and I, particularly with a religious perspective, so often believe that the reason people do what they do is because they lack commitment, they lack resolve. We describe these as personal motivation problems. This is a naive view of the, of the world. And in fact, what it causes us to do is when somebody fails, we deliver another sermon, which often isn't what's needed. So Jane makes a commitment to make, and, uh, make, to make and keep small commitments to improve her incomes and savings, and she fails. What do we do? Do we give her a motivational talk? Well, we do if we don't understand influence. So what I want to do is unpack that experience. I want to pull back the curtain and show you what we did to these kids, but first I want you to test whether they were aware of what we did. So we asked them to explain their failures. Listen to their explanations. There was like... A lot of good stuff to buy. 
I'm not sure if I can answer that question. <laughs> Neither am I. All right. So, so, so they're baffled. You know, why did I do this? I, I wanted to save, and I've got no money left. You know, what happened to me? Well, here's what happened. And this is where you need to start taking notes because there were intentional influence systems put in place. The same that Jane is subject to as she goes out to try to keep the commitments she made to increase her income and savings. First of all, as each of the kids came in, we gave them a taste of their favorite candy. We did what psychologists call putting them in a hot mode. We wanted them in a hot, impulsive mode. So we just gave them a little taste and here's a free sample of what you have available on the table. Second, we gave them no skills, so we put them into novel circumstances, and we didn't skill them up to deal with some of the novel challenges that they'd face. Third, we subjected them to social influence. So you'll notice how the model is organized. These are the repeatable, learnable, intentional sources of influence. They embody all of what the social sciences have been repeatedly demonstrating for the past 70 years about why you and I do what we do. A large reason is because we're socially motivated or socially enabled, in fact, to the degree that you and I are naive about how profound these sources of influence are. Let me show you how modest the intervention was from a social perspective. All we did was get accomplices, confederates, in at least the control condition, to come in and make a small statement, a small suggestive statement to the subject at the point that they were observing the store. You know, there's a lot of awesome candy over there. Mm. That's it. That's it. A guy in a red shirt saying, dude, right? That's all it takes. Source five. We tried to manipulate structural incentives as well. All we did here was say, just spend as much as you want. We'll deduct it from your earnings later. We gave him a credit account, gave him a credit card. Would that make a difference? Sixth, we surrounded the room with decorations. The decorations were pictures of children enjoying candy. <laughs> just gave him a few little cues. And what happens? $40 goes to 13 in 10 minutes. Now, this wouldn't be particularly compelling unless we had an experimental condition, right? So as good scientists in the room, what you ought to be asking is, all right, well, if you change those, would behavior change? Well, let's do it. So let's, on the first case, from a personal motivation perspective, let's not put them in a hot mode. No taste of the candy. We're going to remove that. Second, we'll just give them a 60-second little practice opportunity for how to keep track of your savings and spending so you can keep a mental tally. Third and fourth, We'll ask those accomplices, those confederates, to take a different role. We'll just give them a different phrase to use. I'm going to save my money. How about you? I think I'm going to save my money. I think it'd probably be a good idea. Again, modest little adventure. Kid I've never met, babbling about saving his money. Would it have an influence on me? Source five. We're going to take them off the credit account and pay them in cash. That way, as they surrender the cash, they'll experience the loss. And six, we're going to take down the wallpaper. So what happens if all of those change? Let's have a look.
Now, anecdotally, it looks like things were much different. Let's look at the data. So whereas the kids in the first condition walked out with $13, those in the second condition walk out with 34. This is a modest difference. This is a 270% difference. You know, in, in, in academics, we, we can get a PhD for finding a 5 to 10% difference in behavior. This is huge shifts. So if we've got 800,000 genes that we want to influence, how do we think about that problem? Here's the takeaway. Leadership is intentional influence. What we know is that if you amass a strategy that includes all six of those sources of influence, people change. That's how it works. Wow. It's pretty uh, eye-opening, huh? So you're like, I have been set up. <laughs> you all should have bought that car. Um, you know, how we live reveals what we believe. Simply put, how we live reveals what we believe and I believe that every the structure that we have around us pours into that as you can see right there don't tell me what you believe show me um, your actions are what paints the picture of what you really believe just as these kids you watch them and you watch their actions their actions were what they believed now there was a structure behind it that helped in determining how their reactions were but the structure, the proactive structure behind it is what helped do that. You know, I think this morning I have to, we have to be brutally honest and look at ourselves and the lives of the people around us. And we say based off of the actions of ourselves and others that what Christ offers is not good. It's not as good as what this world offers many times. I said that what Christ offers is not as good as what this world offers many times. Based off of everything that we see based off of the questions that we've asked and answered many times. You know, these kids were put in a, a position to save money. That was the goal, you know. The little girl was going to buy her brother or sister something, the little angel, for Christmas. But by the end, she had 13 bucks in her hand out of 40. That candy was more important than the long-term outcome, the weight. You know, many of us in this room today have been reacting to the environment around us. My relationships say I need this to talk like this. I need to look like this. You know, kind of a give me, give me. I need this. We spend more than we make to impress people that many times we don't even know or that aren't truly our friends. You know, we have the setup. I, I kind of look at those six things and say that's the setup. The reaction is the outcome. Many times, though, we're living in reaction mode all the time. If, you have, if you're a person who struggles with anger, do you need to put yourself in an atmosphere where anger can come out? Do you need to be in a bar where that you could possibly have getting into a heated discussion where you could possibly have an outcome of a fight. No. It's a bad structure. It's a bad environment. It's bad socially. You need to change that. We are, we are set up to have a reaction 
of offense based off the lack of skills and information coupled at times with a bad environment. You know, the other day, me and my kids, we uh, went out. They wanted to play kickball, so we went out and played kickball. And um, if anybody knows me, they know, they know that I am highly competitive. Me and my wife are highly Yep, right there. I got an amen on that one. I am highly competitive, okay? I'm a highly competitive individual. There are no participation trophies in my house. You earn it, okay? So when my six-year-old and my soon-to-be nine-year-old want to play kickball, I give them seven outs. I get one. Do you think I'm going to take it easy on them? Absolutely not. I'm going to kick that ball like it's never been kicked before. I'm going to catch everything that's kicked to me, and I'm going to hit them with the ball to get them out, okay? <laughs> All right? It's on, and they know it's on. So we're playing the other day, and they're getting aggravated at each other. Why don't you kick it better? Why don't you catch the ball? And they're arguing with each other, and I'm watching this, and I'm just kind of laughing. I'm really just reeling out of breath is what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I'm dying. But... Um, I use it as a teaching moment, and one of them, I'll, I'll kick it out, and the other one, would, they would both run after the ball, and one would be standing by the other, and they were going, throw me the ball, just throw me the ball, I'll get him out, and they're, they're like, I could just run faster than throwing the ball to you, and they're getting mad at each other, so I, I'm like, listen, guys, if you want to get me out, some of you, one of you needs to stay closer to where I'm going so that you can throw the ball to the other person, and they can throw and hit me. Like, oh, I never thought about that. That makes sense. But we use it as a teaching moment, and they got close to that. I mean, I never truly let them catch up. Um, <laughs> hey, just kind of dangle the carrot. You know what I'm saying? But it was, it was a lot of fun because I, I changed the structure, and I, just like Joseph Greeny said, I used it as a position to go, let me teach you something here. It's not about getting upset with your brother or your sister. If you do things a little differently and work together as a team, you have a better chance of succeeding in getting me out. You only got to get me out once. Some of us need to change the structure of what we're doing every day. And a lot of times it's not huge. A lot of times it's very, very small. So let me ask you again, how are you leading your own life and the people you influence? Are you leading out of reaction? Are your kids, your family members watching you react to situations? React, react? Are you being proactive about, this will be my reaction if this happens? It's a proactive approach. It's not, I blow up to everything that comes my way because I'm caught off guard. It's kind of like being caught off guard that you're starting over having babies. How does that happen? You'll get it in a minute. Um, you know, some of us need to go home today and really just evaluate our lives. Are we continuing to live a life of reaction? If so, what actions do we need to take to stop the cycle that we're on. If you really take a true evaluation, sometimes we're like a, a hamster just running around on the little hamster wheel. Reaction, 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 reaction. 
What is it going to take to get me off? That's what you need to be asking. You know, I talked about earlier that I was going to talk to you about the Global Leadership Summit. This is a great tool. We wouldn't have it here unless we thought it was. It's a great tool to learn to be a better leader. Some of you, when you, you raised your hand earlier, very beginning, and said, I don't identify myself as a leader. I took away all those excuses because we all have influence and we all are leaders in a certain way. What are you doing with that influence? You know, sometimes me, even as a dad, actually a lot of times, I fail as a dad. I got to go apologize as a dad. My reaction is not up to par with what I would like. So do I feel that I need to obtain more skills? Absolutely, as a dad. Even as a, a leader in what I do here, do I need to be obtaining more skills to be better at what I'm doing? Absolutely. All the time. It's like a constant learning all the time. Constant learning something new. So, because we feel that it's so important, the summit's so important, we're going to do something. If you did not go to church here, and you just had a friend who was wanting to go, the summit is around $209 regular price to go. Because you go to church here, you get, a 89, you get it for $89. But because we feel that it's so important, we're going to do something this week and next week. You can do it all throughout the week. You can actually do it today if you want to. But in the bulletin, there's one of these. It talks about all the people that are going to be speaking this, this year. Instead of $89, we're going to allow you to do it for $69 if you're interested. We're only going to run promotion really for our church this week and next week. Because we have a lot of leaders that come from outside of our church that are in our community that come to this. And it fills up really, really quick. But we want our church to have the first opportunity to get better as a leader and to increase the influence that they have. So I'm going to give you a little instruction before we leave. You can fill this out and you can put it at the drop box. Does anybody know where the drop box is? We have a drop box in the church? Do we have a picture of the drop box? Do we have a picture? No? I don't know. There's a drop box. As soon as you walk out of these doors, Right next to the office, there's a little drop box. It's silver. You can drop this in there if it's something that you would like for us to fill out for you. If not, if you're my techie people, you can go to the website, wogcc.com, and there's a link there that you can go ahead and sign up this week. After next week, Sunday night, it goes back to $89. It will always be $89 from that point forward. If it's a position that you're just not in right now, you can do the $89 later. So there's only one time, one week thing that we're going to do just because we want as many people from our church to be able to do it. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace.
For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.